Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. This is part two of our top 20 Essendon 80s players, who we think is the best. Uh, as you know, our, our four of us have all done our own individual lists and having a fun debate, Leon Baker being the most fun. Thank you, Grant. Yes, uh, yes. I, I want to welcome again, Rowan Connolly from Footyology. How are you going, Rowan? Yeah, very well. Good to uh, be with everyone again. Uh, we've got Neil from, more famous from Bomber Blitz. How are you going, Neil? Yep, hey, great, Scott, and good to be back. Had a great time last night. It was a really enjoyable discussion. Sounds good. Uh, and Grant, who's actually been my best friend for since about grade three. So, hey, yeah. Yes, indeed. I'm back, and I agree with that statement. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, we when we laughed left off, we left off. We were at number eleven. So, we're going to start with number ten and get straight into it. Uh, in the same order, we're going to go through. Um, so myself, Rowan, then Neil, then Grant. I'll start off with my number 10. And it's a play we spoke only a little bit about on the last show, but we didn't cover him in full. And my number 10 is Roger Merritt. So a uh, mm. fantastic forward who developed a little bit later. Uh, but when he did develop and came on, he came on really strong. Uh, 149 games, 148 goals. Gardner medalist, two-time premiership player, Victorian captain in 1985. Uh, just one of those rare, scary forwards. You have the you have the Modra kind of forwards, and they're all flashy in the Kappa at those. But this guy was a scary forward. Uh, he was physical. Uh, he talked, and uh, that mustache made him about ten times more uh, scarier. But he, he was just a fantastic play, player when he was in form. And uh, look, it's, it's very hard when you get to this top 10 because uh, there's plenty of, I mean, I've still got Vanders to go and there's a few others. So it was a bit tough to know which order to do, but Roger Merritt for me was just a brilliant forward. Um, how, do, how do you see that run, Ron? Um, yeah, no, absolutely. I've got him a bit higher. Um, you're right about the slow to develop. Uh, he came down from Caniva in 78. Um, and he was in and out for probably a oh, good, probably up until about 83, I reckon. And yeah, uh, it was about 83. Yeah, he, he was much maligned too, and I, I, I've got a lot of those stupid stories. I can vividly remember this one. 1980, uh, we'd missed out in the finals, but the seconds were in the finals. mate of mine and I went out to, I think it was the qualifying final, Richmond-Carlton, so it was the day... Tony Jewell and Percy Jones had the punch up at quarter time in their respective huddles, famous day. But Essendon was playing, I think, Geelong in the seconds. And we got there really early, right at the start. And there was literally, you know, two men and a dog there. And Roger was playing in defence. And uh, Geelong player had a shot for goal. And Roger's just bolted after it, you know, it was sort of touch and go. Anyway, I think he successfully prevented the goal, but he absolutely smacked into the goalpost at full speed. And it just looked, you know, it was real Keystone Copsish. And we just started pissing ourselves laughing, you know. And then um, play resumed and he sort of ran towards us. And my mate, he had a, you're an idiot, Merritt. And he's just turned around and flipped as the bird. <laughs> and, um, I, you know, we, we used to have a bit of a laugh about him. And uh, the first time I, I remember him doing anything, of note was we talked about the Neil Danaher comeback game in 81. Well, he kicked, I think, the first goal in that comeback and then Vanderhaar kicked one and then Neil Danaher bobbed up. 
So he did that. He was a bit better in, in 82. But I mentioned, we did mention last night, the Don Scott story. Yeah. So the week before the 83 finals, Don Scott has written this. And I was working on my son at the time. It was my first year. And uh, Don Scott wrote a column saying, there is a hitman operating in the VFL. And he just came out and named him. Um, Roger ended up suing over it. I can't remember what happened with it. But it was huge news, you know, that Don Scott had come out and named Roger Merritt as a hitman. And they started getting, you know, there were reports about him. Uh, I think Kelvin Moore had a ruptured testicle, you know, allegedly from Roger's knees. And, you know, so I used allegedly there. I still don't want to get sued. Uh, and there were, you know, lots of testimonies like that. And it was a big story all week. And then, um, actually, it wasn't the first final. It was leading up to the last home and away game, which was also against Carlton. So Essendon, I think even before that last game, you knew they were going to play Carlton in the elimination final. And uh, Essendon smashed Carlton, you know, beat them, what, by nine, ten goals. And Roger played easily the best game of his career. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the talk was, gee, well, you know, that fired him up, you know. But then he just said, went to a, a, another level completely after that moment and really didn't play many bad games at all after that. I, I can... Mm. I remember it vividly. He was just a totally, totally different player from that game onwards. So, you know, nearly 40 years later, thank you, Don Scott. Because yeah, thanks very much, Don Scott. He, yeah. he, he ended up, there was a period there. So, you know, he came good in the finals of 83. Right through 84, 85, he was terrific. And around the time they won the 85 grand final, I think the consensus was he was the best player in the competition because he was powerful, yeah, was, intimidating. Was but very skilled too, you know, and and, yeah. and mobile for a big guy. Good kick a goal, kick plenty yeah. of goals. Um, yeah. Didn't he kick four or five in the 85 grand final? And, you know, one of Sheed's big regrets, and I think a lot of people at the club was, and it seems ridiculous now, that they let him go to Brisbane at the end of 87. He had a lot of yeah. injuries that season. Mm. And I think they, I don't know what the thinking was, but he, of course he went on and played eight, uh, eight, yeah. Yeah, eight fantastic seasons with Brisbane. Yeah. So I know Sheeds thinks that if Merritt had still been at the club, Essendon would have won that 1990 premiership at the very least and maybe more. So, yeah, yeah spot on. Fantastic play. Yep. And he was he was very much another one of the shooting projects that we've talked about before. Oh, yeah, yeah. Touched on a couple uh, yesterday with uh, uh, Kevin Walsh and uh, Dean Wallace. But... Uh, again, really early, he was, uh, as you said, about uh, against that Geelong in the reserves came, he was quite an uncoordinated player. He uh, was all arms and legs and gangly and, and he dropped marks and, he, and, and his kicking wasn't good. He was, but Sheedy just persisted with him. And, and again, it took a, a, quite a while because, as you say, starting in 78, it really wasn't until there were glimpses sort of, 80, 81, 82, but it was, as you said, really 83 uh, towards the final series which was when he really came good. That's quite a long time to, to, yeah, uh, to keep a player, five odd years. And, yeah, once, once it clicked with him, and that happens with players sometimes, or does you just need whatever it is to think you belong? And, and that was probably what happened with the Scott. Uh, yeah. the, difference, the difference is now, of course, that you wouldn't be given that time. I mean, yeah. you know, like yeah. Gary, Gary O'Donnell played, what, 100 seconds games. Um, yeah. yeah. Peter Schwab at Hawthorne played almost 100 seconds games. You know, you just don't have that time now. 
Well, Michael Tuck, how many didn't he play about four or five seasons and then went on to play four hundred and twenty games in the seniors? Yep, his so, first so, season was um, seventy two. So, yeah. yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. Who did you who did you have at um at ten, Rowan? Oh yeah, sorry, I forgot what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, my would number you, ten. Which out and, of the uh, ten, Ryan? <laughs> uh, well, I did uh, actually. Today was number eight. It was Nirvana's Nevermore. Oh, so, if anyone's watching this and they're into music, check out my top twenty album series. <laughs> that's um, that's probably nice. top three for me. But yes, uh, we uh, we talked about him yesterday. <clears throat> but yeah, I went for Merv Nagel at number right. ten. Um, yeah, look, I mean, just to recap, you know, long striding, long kicking wingman from uh, Dimbola. Um, beautiful kick of the footy, lovely kick of the footy, tough, um, uh, courageous, uh, but very skillful. You know, be- um, I said beautiful kick. Just a classic wingman. And um, yeah. Yeah, he played a, played a bit of footy on the halfback flank, but, you know, really found his niche on the wing. And, um, you know, massive part of those those terrific sides. And, yeah, I always felt really... I, I was always pissed off. He, he got injured in the what was it, the last training session before the 85 grand final and couldn't mm, play. Yeah. And then he went to Sydney, uh, part of the Edelston coup, which landed uh, Greg Williams and Jared yeah. Healy and David Bolton, Jim Edmund, and, and Merv was what, part what, of that. Warwick Kappa? Uh, oh, no, he was at Sydney. Uh, Kappa already. was already there. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was there. Yeah, but, uh, you know, he then played some really good footy for the Swans. Yeah, be- beautiful player. Lo- lovely to watch. And he had yeah, that very time. distinctive sort of swaggering running style too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah I-, I had him number 10. Really. And as we were saying, yep. as, we, as we pointed out a bit yesterday, uh, a very tough player, as yeah. was a lot of the shooty players. Yeah. Um, didn't mind the blue, didn't mind copying it. Didn't Well, he probably didn't mind copying it, but he didn't mind dishing it out. And uh, a real hallmark of the way the shooty sides played. He liked to have a number of players who could really rattle the opposition. Yep. And, um, when, and when you when you look at that too, it's no surprise because you think back to, and you guys are too young, Neil and I, would only just remember it. This is when I started going. But the Richmond sides of which shooty was a part, you know, the 73, yeah. 74 back-to-back, um, those Essendon mid '80s sides were a lot like those Richmond sides in yeah. that they were both skillful mm. and tough. And tough, you know. Yeah. And it's not yeah. it's not necessarily a combination you get a lot of, but Richmond and Essendon, those sides had them in spades. Well, yeah. we were, some would say we're copying Richmond as, as of today, but um, yeah. <laughs> but you even go back to uh, uh, I remember '81 where Carlton were a dominant team. And uh, Essendon beat them twice during the home away season, and they mm. um, virtually every time they got the ball, they just they just got them and threw them to the ground, which is a directive of shooting, which gave away a 15 metre penalty in those days. Yeah. Uh, but they didn't mind that, and it did two things: it slowed down the game, but really uh, roughed them up, and a uh, uh, really interesting tactic, and not surprising nice. at all from shooting. Speaking of which, Neil, you're number ten. My number 10, and it's probably a bit higher than some others would have, is Mark Harvey. Mm, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I, if I was going over the entirety of his career, I, I would have had him higher. Uh, he, pl- he started in 84 and uh, made an incredible impact in the 84 grand final where he came on 
uh, Essendon was was quite a bit down at the time and it needed a spark of energy and he really provided that. As soon as he came on, he was like a breath of fresh air. Um, I remember recently, uh, I think it was Luke Dalhouse when he played his first game for uh, Footscray or Western Bulldogs, is it? Cool. Um, he came around, he was just like a, a live wire running around. That was exactly what Harvey was like. Uh, he was just into everything. He was running, he was chasing, he was tackling. And he uh, really set the scene for, because we were quite a few goals down early in that game. And he laid the foundations for the comeback, I think. Um, and he did very well in uh, uh, the next few years as well. But then he had a problem with his uh, bulimia, which was uh, pretty well yeah. documented. And, can I? Uh, uh, can it, oh, go on. Sorry, Neil. Oh no, you go on. I'll. I was. <laughs> sorry. I, I, I mean, this is one. I, I sort of the bulimia stuff. Um, because I can't say this without sounding like an absolute wanker. So apologies, but <laughs> um, right. that that was my story. Um, oh, okay. In, <laughs> in 1993, I went out to interview him for his 150th game, and yep. uh, you know, it was just you. Yeah, routine sort of player profile thing and um you know i knew him a bit but we just we had a really good chat you know we both you know he was a real Essendon supporter and he'd got grown up standing on the terraces every week and stuff so we're talking about all the old days and whatever the same age and um then i started asking about his injuries you know because he'd had compartment syndrome in his calves and had a lot of soft tissue injuries and he had actually had them it wasn't all rubbish but yeah um and I still don't know sort of why. Oh, I did ask him later why, but in the middle of his chat, you know, where he's talking about his injuries and he just stops and he goes, look, so I haven't actually spoken about this, but, um, you know, a lot of those injuries, they weren't really what we was, I was saying they were. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, I, I had bulimia. Um, and I'd, I'd heard of bulimia, but he mm. proceeded to sort of explain it. And he said, look, I'd be eating stuff and then making myself sick and I'd be so wasted and weak and run down, you know, that I, I wasn't in any state to play. So I'd tell them, oh, you know, my calves flared up again or or whatever. And, and that sort of cover-up was happening quite a bit. And then, um, you know, he'd only sort of started to get help for it, I think, the previous year, 92, when he really started playing decent footy again. Um so, yeah, I remember doing this interview and then going back to the office and someone said, how'd you go? And I said, well, pretty good, actually. And then, because I wanted to know a bit more about bulimia, and the difficult thing with this, again, most journalists sound like scumbags, and we're not all scumbags, trust me, but, you know, someone's telling you something that, you know, shit, this is a great story, and you're trying to stay composed about it because you don't want to scare them and, and make them think, you know, you're not a, a sounding board. So yeah. he's telling me all this stuff and I'm just going, oh, oh yeah, and inwardly thinking, wow, what a story, you know. Yeah. Um, so they ended up running it really prominently at the front of the paper. Um, I, I contacted my doctor, actually, who was telling me that bulimia was largely unheard of in men. Uh, it was really rare for men to oh, be afflicted really? with it. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, got a big splash and quite a fair bit of publicity as a result. Halves went on and became sort of an ambassador and a spokesman for, you know, foundations which address bulimia and anorexia, which is like the big sister of it. Um, And uh, I think he still continues to talk about those subjects. So, yeah, no, I I remember that one vividly now. 
Wow. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So if, if it was on the entirety of his career, because he uh, it was about around about that time he reinvented himself as an outstanding backman. Yeah. Uh, I, I recall in '93, um, and he was very undersized. He was only what six one ish, and uh, in '93 he was playing centre half back against some really big players. Uh, I and I was watching the season. I was thinking, well, how can we possibly um, compete? In the, in the finals with, with somebody so undersized. And I think it was a game against uh, Richmond out at Princess Park where he played on Brendan Gale. And Brendan Gale, uh, people know him as a prominent figure at Richmond now, but he was a very good and highly rated centre-half forward, one of the better ones in the game, probably in the top two or three. And he gave him an absolute bath. Um, I would have to say I thought it was illegally. He, he'd whack his arm around somebody's uh, uh, front and hold them down and uh, but the umpires weren't paying free kicks and if they're not paying free kicks we continue to do it and uh, yeah and he developed there and he took on Earl Spalding in the uh, 93 grand final who was also a, a very highly rated player at the time and uh, a very very key part of the uh, premiership that year but uh, so, so I had him as in the entirety of his career I'd probably have him a number of spots higher but uh, just going on the 80s, he was uh, yep. uh, very good early, had a few down years and with these mental health issues and, and injuries, as you say. But, uh, uh, yes, that's how I put him at 10. Yeah, no, I think it's a fair call. Okay, Grant, what's your number 10? Number 10, um, this was the one that I couldn't sw- uh, split oh, yep. between uh, Glennie Hawker and Merv Neagle. So I had Glenn Hawker at number 10. Um, I, I remember, and Rowan mentioned that he played a bit off half-back in that, um, but I remember Glenn Hawker just as what I thought back then was the prototypical wingman. He, I just remember him flying down the wings at the MCG. Um, he, was, he had a good first step, I remember, like that quick kind of first step that got him out of the way of trouble. And then when he got a, a clip up, I just remember him running down the wing looking beautiful. I don't know that I've seen... A real what is, I don't know what a wingman is anymore. Whether or not they they exist anymore, specific sure as a specific really position. <clears throat> they probably yeah, had a, just, they, they had a, a minor comeback last season, I think, because of the six 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 rule. But yeah, yeah, by and yeah. large, they're they're pretty like a lot of those sort of midfield on ball positions. They're pretty indistinct, indistinguishable. Yeah. One thing yeah, about I think I've seen um sorry, Scotty. I was going to say one thing about Hawker that. Uh, I'm just trying to remember, correct me if I'm wrong, he had quite long arms, so his ball drop to his foot uh, was really impressive, which, ma- made wise, it, yeah. which, which made his skill level very reliable. That's something that I remember, that his arms were actually qu- were quite long. Uh, well, so- I, like, I, I like the way he looked generally. Like He had quite a receding hairline and a, quite a big schnoz. You know, he, yeah. he wasn't... He was, I mean, I'm not... Like, he was, wasn't sort of... Um, an oil painting, and who am I to say that? But uh, yeah. I don't know something about his appearance. I always liked. You know? yeah. yeah, it was it was a very smooth mover too. Mm. And as we yeah, touched that's, on, that's my the, main thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just uh, and he always looked classy. And as we uh, talked about yesterday, he was possibly the best kick in the team um, at the time. He was a uh, very rarely miss a target. Yeah, and uh, and beautiful technique and the. Uh, uh, both left and right foot, and the perfect spin on his drop punts was a yeah really nice play to watch. 
Well, let's get right. on to number nine. We'll, I'll try and keep the uh, momentum going. As those. It's my fault. Every time it's my fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's, all right. well, That's all right. They're great stories. I love them. Don't make me come down there, Rob. Um, okay. okay. <laughs> Look, when my number nine, uh, we discussed him in the last one, uh, was Paul Vanderhaar. Um, uh, I didn't, I, I kind of initially had him in the top six, uh, probably about three or four days ago. But the more I kind of looked into it, and I must admit, I did remember not to put a knock that he was just touch erratic sometimes and not always reliable. And and he's probably his big misfortune, which he always says he he kicks himself for, was probably his two grand final performances. Uh, it just it just was quite he was fairly quiet. Uh, but outside of that, a fantastic play to watch. Uh, fantastic unique club man <laughs> uh 278 goals uh three state of origins kicked 46 goals in 985 uh he, he was he was a highlight machine he's you just go to youtube and just watch some of the things that this guy could do uh and it was a, it was a pretty incredible uh play to watch uh he, he sort of extended his career a bit longer than i thought he would uh he went he went into the 90s as well and um, and still was sort of doing regular, fairly good output. Um, so uh, for me, he was, he was number nine. Um, fantastic highlight machine. Yeah, well, his, last go, his, his last game was the 1990 uh, grand final, which I'm pretty sure he played with a... He might have had a... Oh, no, it might have been Bomber. Uh, broken bone in his foot. But even in 1990, I remember there was one game early in the year... I think against Hawthorne at Princess Park, where he kicked five. You know, I like he was still, game, yeah. yeah, still capable of pulling out the big performance. So, um, yeah, like fantastic player to watch. Rowan, no, you're number nine, Rowan. Sorry. Oh, could I could I just say just one last thing on Vanderhaar? The uh, the thing I always remember about him was the when he got onto him, he was just had a magnificent torpedo. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, now you see. A, this is your fault, Neil, because you'll say something and it makes me go, oh, yeah, and then, then I've got to say it. So, well, you mentioned that. One of my favourite Essendon memories, actually, uh, round two, 1980, uh, against Richmond at the MCG, big crowd. Well, that, that was the one that I was going to, exactly what I was going to oh, say. Oh, go on, you tell it. Sorry. Right, well, yeah, he uh, uh, can't re- well, you probably, you seem to remember the actual specifics a bit better, but I remember he kicked one, he would have been 10 metres inside the, uh, uh, the square. square. Uh, yep. Kicking to the putt road end, yep. and I reckon it went through goalpost high. He yep, and that was uh, that was the goal. I think that might have been Essendon won that game by a kick, and yep. that might have been the goal put him in front. But it emerged after the game that he'd kicked that with a broken bone in his leg because he actually <laughs> missed a fair bit of footy after that. Yeah, so, I don't think it was a. It wasn't a. I think it was more a crack or something, but. A broken bone is still a broken bone. They breathe the story. Breathe, Neil. Dickie Hauser over here. He had uh, one leg. Oh, oh, he kicked it with no leg, yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, the, the Black Knight. It's only a flesh wound. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's only a flesh wound. All right. Nice. Um, so, number nine. Yep. Uh, okay, number nine. Yeah, okay, number nine, I went with uh, the Vault. Or as me and my mates used to call him, Mr. Cool, Gary Foles. Gary um, Foles. Oh, yeah. So I think I've got him higher than all you guys. But, um, you know, 300 games exactly, uh, played state footy, 
both premierships, runner-up in a best and fairest in 81. Um, started, yeah, played on the wing, played some footy up forward. I, I mentioned last night he kicked seven goals against Richmond in yeah. uh, round two of 1981. But really found his niche on that halfback flank. It's just a, one of the best readers of the footy I've ever seen. Great judgment and just totally, totally unflappable and yeah. a massive part of those premiership sides. Yeah. I mean, look, for all the stars Essendon had in those sides, and geez, there are a lot. I mean, someone asked me, uh, in fact, it was Robbo, Mark Robinson had a thing on Twitter, which side was better, 2000 or 85? And of course, you know, the recency, but everyone's sort of saying 2000. I said, look, sorry, guys, but. Uh, 2000 had the better record, but pound for pound, 85 had yeah. much better players than 2000, mm. I'm sorry. Yeah. To the extent where a guy like Folds was really seen as one of the lesser lights, where he was yeah. a, a seriously good player. So And, um, and, and you had someone like Paul Vandehauer on a half-board flank. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a bit of a luxury there, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, Gary Folds to me. Yeah, uh, the, nice. the other thing about Folds, too, is... Uh, uh, Another one like Hawke, which is a very, very smooth mover. Yeah. Um, as you say, always unflappable, uh, composed. Yeah, great play. I had him a little bit higher, but I yeah can certainly see uh, why you'd put him there. So. Have you got Sorry, can I just say uh, can I just say very quickly before you go, Grant? So I'm really grateful in this era of Zoom conferences or whatever that no one has done the Brady Bunch gag because it's going to get really freaking <laughs> <tiresome>. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Grant. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Neil, who'd you have at nine? Uh, I had uh, Merv Neagle. Okay. Uh, Mervin? Yep. We just talked about it before. Have you got at nine, Grant? Uh, number nine for me, number nine, is uh, Billy the Kid. Billy Duckworth. Um, I wanted to put him higher, to be quite honest. Wow. Um, I wanted to, and then... I actually am denied between him and um, I'll let you know my, my next guy up is Harves. Um, I am denied whether or not Harves over Billy, Billy over Harves, Harves over Billy. Um, yeah, I can't explain. I, I love Billy Duckworth. He was he's a great player. For all the all the reasons why we said yesterday, he was a he was a weird looking unit. He didn't have uh, he wasn't exactly um, built. Uh, particularly well, but like you said, he was an incredible uh, brain um, and just one of Sheedy's uh, favourites, and I love that about him. So, Billy Duckworth for me at number nine. So, what number did you two guys have Duckworth at? I just want to compare notes. I had I him had, at nine. I had him at 12. And I had and him at 14. Him, I had him seven eight. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, so did Billy see. send you a check, Grant? Well, I'm, I'm going to go over and see Billy tonight. <laughs> Yeah. He was a very Half good a dozen um, I just thought, yeah, I would have had him a bit lower than that. He was, uh, um, he was tough and he was relentless and uh, and a real character of the game and the club. Um, didn't think he had, apart from the '84 Grand Final, I didn't think he had that many really great performances. He was like and you were mentioning Rowan Bahor with uh, Gary Foles. He's one of these blokes that generally just slid into the background, which was really testament to how good a side it was. He was no, um, he was no Ed Considine. <laughs> Ed Considine. <laughs> Sorry, Ed. What's a great no name? I don't know why Ed's name even came to me, but there you go. 
Damien Franken. Yeah, um, yeah. What was I going to say? Uh, or oh, Ilya Grigic, that's a decent name. Um, what was I going to say? The thing with putting Billy at that, um, at that level, you've got to understand, Scotty and I don't have the, the serious, clearly serious in-depth knowledge uh, that you guys have of the, uh, of the players. So mine goes off a little bit of hype as well. Putting Billy at that, at that, <laughs> at that level comes off a bit of hype. Um, bit off the grand final performance, but uh, yeah, that one's more on the fact that I love Billy to death. Yeah, well, fine, trust me, guys. As far as footy knowledge goes, uh, you stack up pretty well compared to a lot of my former colleagues. Trust me. Nice. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. I mean, I, like I, I, I kind of went, I did some sort of archival footage stuff, and and hearing Sheeds talk about Billy Duckworth, Sheeds always for me had his favourites, where yeah. where where. He, he just constantly talked up Duckworth. He was, you know, he's in my best team. I love him. Yeah. And, and yet you would have someone like Simon Madden, he would rarely comment about. And then, you know, we're talking a legend of the game. But that was Sheeds. It's like he had his, he, he had the kind of the, his old plumber, Richmond, you know, this guy's, you know, come from nothing and I've, and I've got him up to be something. And that, that's, that's who he embraced. And, and I think fans and- grabbed onto that. Well, that's well, a very that that's, probably... that's a very Richmond thing too. I mean, Mick Malthouse, who played at Richmond as a coach, you know, he loved guys like, and I'm not saying he wasn't a good player anyway, but Paul LeCuria, you know, he loved the hard workers and yeah, yeah. the guys yeah. that really had to work hard to get there. Dennis Pagan was, and obviously not the Richmond background, but um, he was a bit the same way. You know, Ron Barassi used to absolutely give it to Keith Gregg and people like that, you know. But she, yeah, Sheets had a real tradesman over a academic yeah, yeah. bias. No question about that. And, and I think it's also one of the uh, hallmarks of Sheedy and any real good coach <coughs> is that they're, they're a great people manager and different people are motivated by different things. Some players he, they, he could rip into and uh, they take it as a challenge and, and rise to the occasion. Whereas others, uh, they might have felt like they had to really be built up and build part yep. of the team. And he obviously knew who, the different personalities and, and when to, how, how to relate to each different player. And, uh, I think all the successful coaches, the, the ones that uh, serve for a number of years, have that about them in their makeup. So it comes... Uh, quick, sorry, sorry just, just one last final quick question for Ron. Um, when we say Sheedy um, had his favourites, right, and he clearly did, and well, I love that about Sheedy, um, is, was that out of necessity that he had to pump Billy up? Because at that time, in with the, the list that he had, he didn't really have many other options other than Billy. Or was that just quite seriously, he liked the cut of Billy's jib and he knew he had a little bit about him and he just stuck with him? Or was it yeah, more sort of out of necessity? I think the latter. I mean, Sheeds was very much... Uh, instinctive coach, you know, and, um, you know, I'd say 80% of the time it, it worked because he, he had a great instinct, whether it be, yeah. you know, he, he seemed to be a good judge of character. And, you know, like he'd often, I'm, I'm struggling to think of the exact names, but he'd often sort of point out a guy in the second, a pretty nondescript guy in the seconds ago, you know, keep your eye on this kid or whatever, and inevitably they'd go on and, and be a really good player. But yeah. he really trusted his gut, his instinct, you know. He used to love playing 
guys that came from a particular country town on another bloke who'd come from the same town, yeah. that sort of thing, you know, yeah. which was a bit of a worry when it meant you played sort of Alan Ezard on Tony Rocket. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, he, and most of the time his, his gut instinct paid off, you know, worked far more often than it didn't. And yeah. he was... Even- even like Damien Preville, those kind of examples that just continue, yeah. continued on. Yep. Yeah. And, and he, he certainly wasn't afraid to try anything if something knew if something wasn't working. As we touched on yesterday with the 84 grand final, the half-back line virtually became the, uh, the forward line. Uh, yeah. And, you know, in the, in the last quarter of a grand final, which yeah. um, he did like to have players adaptable and be able to play in different positions, but I can't recall really anything playing too much forward before the last quarter of, the, of a grand final, which is an extraordinary... Oh, sorry, I have to say this again now. This premiership is Sheedy's premiership. <laughs> These <laughs> tremendous moves he's made, Bob. And Scott, Scott, we're now up to number 26, correct? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, let me go. I'll go at number eight. It's a nice quick one because we've just covered him. I had Mark Harvey at number eight. Okay, I had Mark Harvey at number eight. Well, it was pretty close. I had Harvey at 10. I had uh, the hit man himself, Roger the Dodger Merritt. Roger Dodge. Okay, Grantus? Harves. You had Harves at eight. Harves, oh. yep. Harves, oh. love him to death. I, yeah, I, did, I did actually have Harvey at eight at one stage. Rather, we could have had a unanimous decision. <laughs> <Good> <laughs> Well, that, so, was certainly the, that was certainly the quickest number. We've that's done. the quickest number. So, look, <laughs> no, no disrespect to Harves. No disrespect to Harves. We could talk about you for an hour, mate. But we just we did, all, didn't we? Pretty yeah, much. Yeah. So. Now uh, we go to number seven. Uh, this is where Rowan probably tells me off. Uh, number seven is one of the classiest, most skillful players to ever put on an Essendon jumper. Probably should have won. Ed Considine. Probably should have won Norm Smith in 1984. We spoke about him last week, um, but uh, as Rowan said, and I checked it out today, his 2015 article uh, with this with Leon Baker is absolutely fantastic. If if you this to me is what it's hard because Rowan's right in front of me, but this is to me what I love about footy, ju- footy, ju- footy journalism. This is kind of the kind of writing that having a unique story and hearing the whole story about how this guy, where he came from and, and the whole his life story. Uh, I read it again today. It's just brilliant stuff. But Leon Baker just, uh, I was tempted to change him after <laughs> Rowan's. Uh, to, I was like, oh, do I, do I? Uh, but look, number seven is obviously a very good number, no matter what. Uh, he, he obviously missed a number of years in the 80s because uh, he had a short, uh, lived, but boy, when he did play, uh, he was elite. He, he was as uh, elite as you can get. And he's num- he's no num- he's my number seven. No, I, I don't quibble with that at all. In fact, you'll hear that you'll hear why in a minute. But um, thanks for the uh, thanks for the compliment, by the way. But look, I mean, I think you know, yeah, as good as he was, you have to weigh that up against other guys who were that good and had the longevity, which he didn't. I mean, he, he ended up with 86 games and it was effectively, yeah. you know, the last two years he had a lot of injuries. So really, you could argue four sort of relatively complete seasons, which isn't yeah. a lot. So, no, look, I, I think that's totally fair. Just quickly, too, on that piece, 
Um, and I, I do appreciate what you're saying, but when you get an interview subject like that and their story is so good, it actually doesn't require that much writing yeah. finesse. It's just a matter yeah. of, okay, well, let's get the stuff in the right chronological order. I mean, it, it wrote itself, you know. It's just um, such an incredible story. But yeah. like, uh, well, I, I remember when I read it, I, I found it fascinating as well. And just a unique individual. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and a, a, lo a lovely guy and, and incredibly modest for how good he was. Um, yeah. I forgot to give my selection then, didn't I? Um, so your number seven was Baker. Yep. Uh, my number seven is uh, Roger Merritt. Roger Merritt. For um, all the reasons we talked about. I was much higher on this one than you two. This is uh, Neil Danaher I had as number seven. Wow. Um, uh, you know, quite high considering he had three really good seasons. Um, what set him apart a bit to me was that he was, he, I think if, if he was played his first season today, he'd be winning the Rising Star. Right out of the blocks, he was a, it was like a Heppel and um, um, McGrath in his first season. He was just, yeah. a, a, he was just a player right from the very first uh, game. Um, won a, in his last year, I think he won a Best and Furious in his second year, was it? Third. 81. 30, 30, 81, yep. Um, and came about third in the Brownlow medal as well. Um, and as we discussed yesterday, just uh, a truly great talent and just a pity we never really got to see the best of him. If he, nice. uh, if he, if he had managed to uh, have a, a career of 10 or 12 years without uh, injury interrupting it significantly, he would probably be one of the greats of the club. And might even be vying with Hurd as the greatest modern-day player. He was, he was I'll, say, I'll, I'll say this, Neil, that if we were doing this list, and you wouldn't, but if we were doing this list on who do you think are the best 20 Essendon players you've seen without sort of looking at the records, mm -hmm. I'd yep. have him about where you've got him. Because yep. in, in yep. pound for pound in terms of talent, right yep. up there. Yep. And he could do everything. I mean, yeah. look, if, if, he, if it wasn't for the fact that he played uh, so few games, all of us would have him higher. But, um, yeah, he does have to be judged a bit on his output as well. But uh, Yeah. Nice. Yep. Um, number seven so, for me, uh, Mark Bomber-Thompson. Yep. Um, again, defenders uh, feature prominently on my list. Um, premiership captain, reliable, tough backline player. Um, recent issues aside, he was a he was a great football footballer. Didn't jump real high, couldn't run out of sight on a dark night, um, but was very rarely beaten and uh, a great player for the club. Yeah, I think you summed that up pretty well. That was one of the attributes again, as we were talking about last week. Um, a great one-on-one -on -one player. He was he was very yeah. hard to beat, and although he wasn't. Uh, tall, he was particularly good in the air. Uh, very good body on body, um, but could also also leap and he could take a good mark. Had a slightly uh, unusual kicking style, but it was very reliable. And uh, yeah, tough, never gave in. And as is evidenced by his coaching career, somebody else that had a really good football brain. Yeah. Um, knew what was doing and uh, uh, we were lucky to have quite a few players that could actually direct traffic and, and uh, marshal the troops. And he was uh, certainly one that could do that and why he went on to 
be a, a really good cut from the club and really one of the all-time greats. Yeah. I'm going to save my testimony for when I get to him. No okay. chance. Nice. Are right. we close? Yeah. <laughs> Scott, oh, all right. So what are we down to? Number six? Yeah, six. six. Oh, well, six, I had Bomber Thompson. So there you go. I'll, I'll wait till Rowan uh, gives his, his, um, his, his announcement. <laughs> Bomber Thompson. <laughs> um, well, first, allow me to announce my number six <laughs> is um, Leon Baker. Oh, uh, Baker. Nice. All right. Yeah. No, well, I mean, like, the, the guys ahead of him played considerably more yeah. footy than him. But, again, like I said before with Neil, if I was doing a, a list of, you know, best um, Essendon players I've seen, regardless of records, I, I'd have yeah. him higher than that. Yeah. 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 Uh, nice. Well, mine was, okay. mine was uh, Bomber Thompson as well at number six. Okay. So we've got a uh, in tune on that one. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, why don't I, I'll, I'll tell you what. Uh, let's, do it this, let's do it this way. Um, no, he's too far away. Sorry, keep going. Keep going. Bye, All on. right, Grant, I'll go to you. Uh, for number six, yes, Paul Vanderhaar, the Flying Dutchman. Um, again, for all the reasons we've said, I love the stories about the man. I love the half a dozen cigs at halftime and the beers and <laughs> taking. Uh, Tim Watson okay. to burger joints before games and stuff. Okay. I love that about him. Uh, Coming straight from, from the nightclub to the game. So Grant, you, you, the game. Grant, you've actually done the um, best 20 Essendon blokes, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. Best, yeah. best 20 he wants to hang out with. Because <laughs> yeah. he's, from, he's from Ringwood uh, and oh, I'm yeah, out no, that way myself. So, um, no, Paul Van Hart, I just, look, there's, there's three blokes that I had on my duffel coat. Um, Simon Madden, uh, Paul Vanderhaar, and um, uh, Ma and Tim Watson. So, Vanders, I love the fact that we had uh, a high flying marking forward at the club. Um, it just it made it got me excited every time I watched him, um, and because you just didn't know what he was going to do next, whether he was going to stand on a bloke or or kick a bag. So I love that about him. And like you said, I. Uh, I'm learning more about these players when you guys tell me about them. That sure, okay, it could be a bit inconsistent. The grand final performances weren't particularly there, but I just think for overall talent, I think the guy was a bit freaky, and I like that about him. And another you know, thing about just him too. Very quickly, I just, another stupid anecdote, but this is how old I am. I, I just had a flashback then. Um, I went out to this is when I was working on the Sun, the Sun News Pictorial, now the Herald Sun. In 1985, I used to go around with a photographer, Colin Bull, every Friday, and we'd do picture, little picture stories on guys playing their first game or milestone games and stuff. And Vander was playing his 150th the next day. It was a big game. It was against Hawthorne out at, out at Waverley. And so Friday afternoon, we've gone out, and it was out somewhere out that Ringwood, yeah. Eastern Suburban yeah. way. But he had his pool company. Um, even back oh, then. that's right, yes. And, uh, yeah, we rolled up on wherever he was working, installing a pool, and, you know, sort of yell out, and he's, oh, down here, you know, and he's, like, down in the pool. He's got crap all over him and bloody timber going everywhere. He's got a fag hanging out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah. Friday afternoon before this massive game, I was just thinking about that. I was thinking, geez, times have changed, haven't they? You know? be, anyway, yeah. it was a good memory. Oh, well, one man, of the other I things about Van Hart, too. I love that. 
was that he, uh, he he was a good player from very early on. He um, played State of Origin. Uh, Curry was his first seventy eight. Seven, 78, 78 was, yeah. He took that mark yep, on his head. Exactly what I was going to say. He Sorry. he he dove forward and actually rolled over his head, yeah. which is uh, uh, which probably led up to his motorbike accident a little bit uh, later. Where uh, he was one of my favourite ever players too, and it came out about December or something. Uh, one of the years where he'd had a motorbike accident and broken bones in his neck. So. Yeah. Sorry, Henry, really you, you, yeah. you've done it to me again. And also, he, <laughs> first what season I, was what 70, have I told you? Oh, I'm happy about that. These are <laughs> stories. Stop, stop <laughs> encouraging me. His first season was 77. <laughs> he um, had a trail bike accident that summer and broke bones in his neck. It was really serious. Oh, is that summer 77? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then 78, and this is one of my favourite games too, didn't play the start of a season. And then Essendon played Richmond at Windy Hill and it was, I reckon it was round six or seven. Um, Might have been six. And uh, Vander wasn't named and he played and he uh, he ran out in the ground. There was this huge roar because no one knew he was going to play. And uh, in that game, Essendon was five goals down and stormed home and won it. Oh, I remember that. 31 points down at three-quarter time. I remember that one. Yeah, and Jack Jack Majacek. Had a big last quarter. Brody Mychek's dad, um, and Vander. That was his comeback game. And then the the following week was the St Kilda Animals game. And then that state game we're talking about, where he landed on his head. That was literally like two weeks after that. So uh, he gave it a fair old workout. Yeah, I remember that comeback game. The uh, the crowd was probably as loud as I've ever heard it. They just went crazy, and it's uh, yeah. It was, it was great though, those old, old days at Windy Hill when the when the crowd got going. It was uh, it was just sensational. Scott, yeah. I, I just would like to point out at this moment how little you and I know about Essendon <laughs> Football Club, because how the hell did you know that they were thirty one points down at three <laughs> quarter time in one random game in nineteen seventy eight? Well. I, I haven't looked it up. I could be wrong, of course, but... Well, that's true. Sound confidence. That's what memories well, do. The special moments. Well, just, Ro- just Rowan was, was picking the round of the season. I mean, that was, a, it was six or, round six or seven. That was a pretty special. I do find the older you get, um, the more you tend to remember your youth better than what's happened more recently, yeah. you know? Okay. Or, or, or in my case, at least yeah. think you remember your youth. <laughs> the, 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 when you look up the the actual figures, they're not always uh, completely spot on. But I'm I'm pretty sure on the 31 points in this occasion. Uh, it was it was certainly about five goals. Yeah. Well, do nice. yeah. I mean that that's what you do. You remember those moments. I I left. My dad forced me to leave at three quarter time in that game where against Melbourne where we're like 40 odd points down. Oh, you idiots. My, my, my dad's a very emotional supporter. He said, okay, sorry, sorry. I've got to do what Neil just spoke about. 47 points at the five minute mark of the last quarter after a goal from Melbourne's Chris Sullivan. <laughs> yeah, and my dad said, that's it. I've had enough. I'm sick of this was team. Sullivan? I thought it was Alan Jakovic. Nah, Chris Sullivan <laughs> kicked a goal and I put him 47. Okay. And I'll tell you why I know that, Neil. I wrote the match report that day. Well, there we go. I'll I'll, I'll bow to your your uh, great. The other the, the other notable thing about that game is it wasn't on the replay, and uh, all the games that weren't on the replay were only covered by a single camera. 
Yeah. So what Essendon did was they, they got the single camera footage and used put over the top of the, the K-Rock commentary because they were the station oh, okay. covering the game yeah. and sold the video and it sold like hotcuts. I've got, I've got yeah. the video there. So you've got um, nice. Ted Witten, Brian Brushfield and Peter Legrand calling this. Yeah. It was Salmon and Somerville did all the damage. Uh, Wanganone yeah. kicked the goal, put him in front and then Derek Kickett literally ran into a goalpost, taking yep. a mark to yep. save the yeah. game being a draw. It was an amazing win. And, and talking about being an optimist, I was uh, at the ground in the Great Southern Stand with my family. And uh, uh, so we, we wasn't looking particularly good at 47 points down. But then we kicked the goal not long <laughs> afterwards. And we're saying, great, only seven goals to go. And they're going, six goals to go, five, four, three, two, one. And, and all of a sudden we're in front. It's um, incredible. Oh. Yeah. Well, let's let's go to number five. Um, this one we we've covered it, I think, at the start. Uh, I had him. People might think I had this guy way too high, and uh, but I actually had Merv Neagle at, at five. That's how I just I just rated him through the roof. Uh, I spoke about it last time on the on the podcast, but uh, for <coughs> me he, for me he had it all, um, and yeah, we spoke about him just before, but that was my number five. I'll go to you. Right. Well, we, I don't think we have spoken about this bloke, and I'm now thinking, have you, you guys got him? Have you guys got him? Have you guys got him higher than this, <laughs> or have you not got him in twenty? Which I think would no. be. Shocking. I, I can't. I can't imagine any of these people to come. Nobody could have. Well, okay. Well, I've gone for Paul Salmon. Yeah. Yeah. He's Paul next Salmon. One. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's about right. Um, I, I, I had him at four next. So yeah, okay. So I'm there. Uh, instant impact. Uh, 83 made his debut. Um, actually, Gary O'Donnell the other night on Twitter posted a photo of him and Fish in the same junior side. Uh, I think they were called St Mary's or something out in Ringwood when they were yeah. about 14, 15. Um, yeah. Have a look on Twitter on Gary O'Donnell's Twitter feed. Anyway... Uh, instant impact when he came into the side, the height. Um, you know, was sort of in and out a bit in 83. Didn't play in the in the grand final, played in the reserves premiership. But that right from the start of 84, if you remember, he kicked, I think, seven, yeah. seven and seven against um, St Kilda at Moorabbin and then Hawthorne at Windy Hill. Yep. And then I think the third week, another seven or eight against Collingwood. And I remember yep. he, I've got, he played I've got the stats on... I've doing pretty well. He played on uh, Ronnie Andrews for a bit that game, who'd just gone to Collingwood, but he also played on Jim McAllister, who was a former Essendon player. And remember McAllister after Fish has taken about his third one-hand mark and McAllister's like this. Yeah, I remember that. McCall- yeah, remember and McAllister's just gone, you know, like knowing, I just uh, can't beat this guy. Uh, and it was insane. And, and that, um, un- that unfortunate return game against Collingwood at Victoria Park was when he did his knee. Um, that's another story. My mates and I arrived too late to get in, charged the fence, jumped over the fence and then got chased by the cops halfway around the ground and disappeared into the crowd. Um, but I find yeah, that hard to his, believe. <laughs> there was a lot of stories on it that, trust me. Did his knee um, and sadly missed out in the 84 flag. Didn't really come back until late in 85, but by the time the grand final was a huge force, ended up kicking, what, six in the grand final. And, you know, look, I saw him the next season in 86, there was a day against Richmond, he kicked 10 out of Waverley. 
you know, he was just, he was mobile. He was a strong mark, too tall for his opposition. Unfortunately, you know, the one drawback, and I'm not sort of blaming anyone for this, but unfortunately, most of his career at Essendon, there was this dilemma about, is he a forward or is he a ruckman? And I think, you know, Fish definitely, you know, really wanted to play in the ruck. But we had Simon Madden, you know, Sheeds was sort of hamstrung between needing a key forward. And then, of course, when he went to Hawthorne and was exclusively a ruckman, we saw how good a ruckman he was. But, you know, it's easy to sort of look at that and say Essendon stuffed it up because I think the sort of list we had at the time, it was hard to make him exclusively a ruckman. But, you know, really... The other other thing about that, if I could just jump in quickly, was that um, we just had Justin Madden, uh, leave for Carlton yeah. as well. Whereas yeah. uh, Simon was really wanted to play more ruck than forward. And then Justin came in and, and he took the number one ruck. And I think, uh, and that went to a bit of a former slump with Simon Madden. He was a bit, wasn't too happy about it. And, yeah. um, and then we had Fish come along and you had the same sort of dilemma. So I think that would be partly why uh, uh, he stuck with it. Apart from the fact that he was a sensational forward. Those those first thirteen games in nineteen eighty four just absolutely set the work of the football world on fire. Sixty three goals in thirteen games. Yeah, yeah. And the, no, it was a real. It was, it was a real, uh, and you remember the atmosphere around it. It was it was a bit like the John Coleman thing. Yeah, it, know, was, it really was exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, the John Coleman. Um, yeah, and the he was. Uh, you know, these days we have quite a lot of uh, tallish forwards. Uh, you know, you got the King brothers. You got. Um, uh, the Brisbane guy who's uh, named uh, Eric Hipwood, um, uh, Tom Lynch, who are quite tall. But at that time, there were very few players. Even <coughs> he was he was probably the tallest player in the league. Yeah. And before he did his knee, he was his mobility was even better. He was a, a freakishly good athlete. He was really fast. He had a great leap, and he'd take the ball at the highest point, and he was very unstoppable. Uh, so you just wonder what would have happened if he didn't do his knee then, because I think he did suffer a little bit when he actually came back. Um, He was still a great player, but not quite the same leap. I don't think his kicking was ever as quite as good, um, but still a fantastic player. Yeah. Well, I had at, what are we at, five? I had Roger Merritt. Um, Again, for all the reasons that have already been spoken about, great player. The club wouldn't have been as successful as they were without him. So, great player in Roger Merritt. Okay, let's, let's are go. We at, are we at five? Uh, did you, did which, you say you're five, Neil? No, no, which number are we at? Five. Yeah. Five. five. Sorry, yeah, you five. didn't yeah, say yeah, you're five. five. Uh, yeah, Leon Baker, I had five. So, I was uh, okay. Leon Baker. pretty, pretty yeah. close with Rowan there. Yeah, yeah. So, let's go to number four. And I, I know what you've got, Neil, and I've got. We've both got Paul Salmon. Yes. <laughs> so, there we go. You're a great judge, Scott. I've always said that. I thank that, you. That's three, three for Paul Salmon. And one thing about oh, Paul, three for Paul Salmon. So one thing sorry, about, sorry, one thing about Paul Salmon. He actually kicked forty-five goals for Victoria. So, uh, oh, he, I was going to say that too. Uh, he, he was, he's the record holder of goals in interstate football. Yeah, I mean, his career is quite incredible when you're adding the whole yeah. on and, and and everything from that. It's. It's quite an amazing career of 520 goals in 224 games. Uh, and he yeah. played a lot of those games in the ruck. So they, that's a lot of goals. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And sorry, and, guys, and, that, and was our, that was our number fives, by the way. Sorry. 
No, no, that was four. Yeah, that was my four. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, Paul Simon here. Sorry, we went to four. Yeah, sorry. Okay. So, sorry, Rowan, Rowan, you're four. Uh, okay, uh, my number four. I went for um, Nirvana's Nevermind. Uh, oh, sorry, wrong. Word. <laughs> <laughs> no, just got me confused. Master of Puppets. Um, <laughs> number four, uh, we have talked about him. So, yeah, fairly interchangeable with stage, I reckon. But um, I've gone with Bomber Thompson at yeah. four. Bomber. Okay. Just frac- fractionally higher than you guys. Um, I just think he was so, <clears throat> uh, so incredibly dependable. Um, I remember when he started. So he, in fact, he made his debut in the same game Fish did, the first round of 83. And, um, of course, Essendon had Michael Thompson as well, without the P. Yeah, Mark oh, Thompson and Michael Thompson. I hey, love Michael man. Thompson. Real flashy wingman. You know, yeah. great physique. Um, I was a big Michael Thompson fan, and in '84, he was constantly on the fringes of that side. He was almost yeah. like the 20, 21st player. And uh, Bomber, I used to feel like early on, and also I sat in a reserve seat on the wing at Windy Hill with my mate, and there was a girl that sat down the road from us who every time Bomber went near the ball would yell out, Game back! And it used to drive us <laughs> insane. I hope she's not watching. <laughs> Um, so I, I used to think that, you know, they, they were going for the wrong Thompson. I wanted Michael Thompson and Wes Bomber. But he quickly won me over. He was just so assured and made the right decisions all the time. And, you know, not quick, but, but again, a great reader of play. Very compact. Something compact about his game. You know, he didn't waste movement or waste um, possessions. You know, everything he did was efficient. Came on the off the bench with halves in that eighty four grand final, yep. and, and also had a big impact. Kicked the goal that got yeah. him within uh, five points before Leon Baker's blind turn. Um, and you know, after that, won the best and fairest in eighty seven. You know, so he won the BNF what five seasons after his debut, um, and and just fantastic, very very consistent player, very very rarely if ever. Uh, played a bad game, so yeah. um, and it ended up with two hundred and two games. You know, uh, one two BNFs. Admittedly, the second one's in the nineties, so I shouldn't be using that as a criteria. But um, yeah, terrific, terrific player. Yeah, and another one right. of these real natural footballers. Yeah, we're talking about here. Yeah, um, not not an athlete by any stretch of the imagination, but just could read the play, knew where to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great player. Great, great. To, incidentally, just uh, people looking for stuff to read or whatever. Um, the book about Bomber, I've forgotten what it's called, actually, that Martin Blake, who I used to work with on the I've AHE. Got it, I've got it, yeah. What's it called again? Um, I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> uh, it's probably just called Bomber or something. Yeah, it's something, something. It's very simple. It's a really, really good book. So if yeah. you're looking for a good footy read, I really recommend that. And in, in answer to your next question, it does talk about the recent stuff. But it's just as much about his early playing yeah. days and whatever. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's a really good road. And and look, even though it is the nineties, it's it's still fair to mention what a fantastic captain he was of a young group. Uh, he yeah, was yeah. A, he was a great leader of men, and and yeah. like like Neil Danaher, he was a guy you identified that yeah. was likely going to be a, a very good coach. Uh, he just yeah. had that he had that IQ and that intelligence. So uh, sorry. Can I tell one more stupid story? 
Well, you mentioned he was. You mentioned he was captain. Uh, this is one of my favourites. So, ninety-three grand final day. Um, I was I was shot to ribbons. Like I literally hadn't been able to eat for like three days. I was that nervous. And I've rolled up in the car park, and and the old members' car park at the G. Um, we used to be able to park in there along with the players and officials and whatever. So it's, yeah, it's ridiculously early. It's like 11 or something. And I rolled up, parked there. Um, and as I'm about to get out of the car, this car pulls up next to me. And I realise it's Bomber, about to captain Essendon in a grand final. And uh, all I could think of was I don't want don't to disturb his focus, you know. Like, so I, I jump out of my car, lock it up, and I scurry off. And then I get about, like, you know, 50 metres away. And, and someone goes out, Oi! And I look around, it's bombing. He's going, oi! You know, so sort of saying, come over here. I went up there and he looks at me and he goes, geez, are you all right? You look really nervous. You know, like, <laughs> he's, he's about to captain a grand final side. I'm just bloody sitting there watching it. Um, and, and I said, oh, mate, I haven't been able to eat for three days. And he, I'll never forget, he said to me, we'll be right. And uh, oh, we, confidence. We, we went out on the ground after the game. And uh, they were doing their lap of honour. And uh, two moments stay with me from that. One is that we were being led across the ground. And as Essendon came past on the lap of honour, I broke ranks with the other media and ran and jumped into Tim Watson's. It's unfortunately captured on TV. So I had to live that <laughs> down for the next couple of years. But Bomber came up to me, and the first thing he said when he saw me was, "Oh, oh you know, see, that's so, great. That is real, great." I had a real quiet confidence that day, but I wish I'd shared it because I was I was just shot. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And and when you're talking about him being a great leader of men, what an amazing year '93 was. I know we're, oh. we're off topic a little bit there, but best the, year in footy history. Yeah, the 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 number, the age of the team they had was just extraordinary, yeah. and. Uh, and that was after round 20-odd the year before against Hawthorne where we got flogged by 160 points. And to come out the following year with a group of 18, 19-year-olds and win the premiership was just amazing. Yeah, yeah it was. And, and, yeah, it, and it, must have, it must have been incredible leadership from both Thompson and Sheedy to uh, first put the trust in the players and then to uh, have them actually believe they could do it. Yeah. One, of, one of my favorite videos was the the bomber i think it's called a blitz or bomber blitz video they did after blitz, the yeah. 93 and and you got bomber thompson talking through each game uh and it just showed you a little bit of who, who he was and how he yeah. thought and how measured he was uh yeah it was it was a video that was kind of on my repeated playlist obviously because the year yeah. was so amazing but uh, all right grant number four uh, number four, um, didn't I say number four? One, two, three, four. Roger Merritt. Okay. Yeah, we're yeah. Four. So I think I think we've pretty well all got the top three here. It's just did a question Neil, of order. Did, did Neil Dewey's number four? Uh, yeah, Paul Salmon. Paul Salmon. Salmon. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So, look, there's no doubt these next three are probably going to be three players we haven't spoken about much. So... At all. Yeah. And I, I'm going to assume we've all got the top three. I reckon yeah. we do. Yeah. So, I'm pretty, conf pretty confident of that. My, my third uh, was what I regard as probably one of the finest captains in the club history. Uh, wearing Any number club, I reckon. Any club. Uh, yeah. 
just a sensational swing man, centre forward, centre back, whatever you needed, he was going to do to help win the game. Uh, he was, he was, for me, 448 goals, 294 games, captain from 83 to 88. Uh, that's 127 games captain. Uh, 1982 best and fairest, two-time leading goal kicker in 83, kicked 63 goals, four times All-Australian. Uh, it doesn't get much better than a person in football and a player in football uh, and a character in football than TD. Uh, Terry Danaher is, yeah, just a, a name that you you just... Uh, you almost just honour. That's how big he, he is to the Eston Football Club. And just a side note: when they had the um, the grand final um, uh, reunion, when he uh, was leading pretty much the microphone for most of the night, it was probably one of the funniest things I've ever ever heard in my life. Going to a reunion, and uh, yeah, he just breathed life into into the players. Uh, he instilled confidence. He st- and a lot of the players, I saw a documentary just the other day as uh, me being a nerdy researcher, they talked about how calm they were around him, that he, he had such a country relaxed manner. So when they lost or won, uh, he was so calm uh, and he would always, a bit like Sheeds, always said, always said the positive. She'll be right, mate. We'll get him next time. Uh, and so he, Terry Denner, has my number three. Yeah. yeah, no, excellent call. Um, yeah, I think we're, we're all sort of going to have pretty much the same. Although, I've got to be honest here, number three, I really couldn't go past uh, Michael Werner. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I thought of him. What about Bradley Plain? The, yeah. greatest, the uh, greatest elbow to a head in my, is, is, ever is Michael Werner. I quite like Michael Werner, I must admit. I thought he had... Oh, he put, no, he played, he played some course. decent footy. I think he might have played... He might have played in a final or two. Um, yeah, yeah no, no. TD at three? I've got TD at three, yeah. Um, and you just, got? I'll just add a couple of things there. Um, he, when he arrived at Essendon, it was as a key forward. And uh, 79, I know we're talking about the 80s, but 79... He was absolutely on fire, kicking bags of goals, uh, leading the goal kicking, and then he had his jaw broken, I think, against South Melbourne at Winnie yes, seven or eight. Yeah, um, I and then when he came back, he, he sort of lost a bit of confidence. It took him a while to get going a bit again, but he came back and really sort of became that utility almost. You know, yeah. um, could could play with. Yeah. as a depthly forward and back and um, just an incredible work ethic. He could be, you know, like just, I know Shades has talked about this, he could be hard to coach in that he just wanted to be everywhere, you know, so he'd, he'd just run all over the place. But, um, yeah, one of the greatest captains in footy history, no question about that. And one of the, one of the nicest blokes in footy history is such a, Beautiful human being, Terry. It's hard yeah. not to not to love him. That whole family, you know, it's just they're a magnificent family, the Danahers. And um, Terry is, yeah, look, he was the perfect guy to have leading that club. And you know what? Look, as much as I mean, there's no doubt Kevin Sheedy is the pivotal person in dragging that club from mediocrity to a powerhouse. 
But geez, Terry Danaher isn't far behind in an on-field sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. good work. Just, just on that start, I was just looking it up the stats there. Um, in his first uh, first nine rounds of 1979, kicked 41 goals. Yeah. So that's a really serious effort. And that was after his first full year at Essendon, kicked 46. Yeah, yeah, he was on fire at uh, 79. Yeah. And then, then he got his jaw broken and uh, and uh, took a, uh, quite a while to uh, recover from that. But the the real thing about Terry Danaher that I remember as much as anything else is just incredible versatility. Um, he'd go anywhere. Uh, I can't think of too many other players that play full back, full forward, uh, full forward, centre half back, centre half forward, and be equally reliable in every position. Um, he was very rarely beaten. He was again as one of these players, just as tough as nails. Um, great larrikin. But uh, I think a lot of that's over in overriding uh, his actual skills. He uh, was a fantastic mark, a great kick. It, uh, Great ball handler. He really had it all, mm. as well yeah. as being, as you say, one, Did of you the, have him? Uh, one of the. Oh yeah, I had him. Did at you three. have him at three? Yeah, Did he? Yeah, yeah. So I think we might even possibly have a. Uh, all four the of us got top three for all of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everybody's got TD. Well, yeah. it's getting uh, to the uh, to the last two now. Uh, Gee, I wonder who they will be. <laughs> 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 Everyone's on dead hooks for this. Yeah, so my number two, it was I regard as the most exciting player I've ever seen play for the Essendon Football Club. And that actually includes over James Hurd. James Hurd, James Hurd to me is the most inspirational player I've ever seen play. But if you want a guy when he gets the ball, your whole vibe at the footy ground is stands up and it has a level of excitement. I don't remember as a teenager, an early teenager, getting so excited as a, I was probably, you know, nine to say 16, 17 years old. I don't think I can recall as being ever excited when a person touched the ball to see what they were going to do and to see the power that this guy had uh, in his legs just to run off guys, the dare, the, the skill. Uh, 307 games, 335 goals. Tim Watson uh, is my number two. And yeah, just a sensational player to watch. Yeah, yeah. okay. Well, I'm, um, we, we, everyone knows who the two are. So I'm going to... Uh, I'm not... What am I trying to say here? If I say the other one, you know the other one's going to be number one. So I'm not giving yeah. anything away here. Um yeah. I've got him number one. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, only because uh, I reckon so... Or I'm not giving anything away. We're talking about Tim Watson and Simon Madden. Yep. I would have them yep. virtually level. Um, oh, there we go. Uh, I'd have them virtually level across their careers. I would just go with Tim in the 80s because oh. he won three of his best and fairest in the 80s. Whereas Simon won, uh, I think, three of his in the 70s, correct? Um, and uh, across, across, what's that? Yeah, oh, go on, I've, yeah, I'm not across sure. Across the 80s, I would, I would argue that Tim had fractionally more impact. Look, he, he was, I talk about Leon Baker and I loved him, but really 
this guy was my hero. He knows that. Uh, I've been embarrassed by it many times over the years. I had his number on my duffel coat. I saw his first game when he was 15 in 77. I, I was out there for it at Waverley. Oh, yeah. I, I was home. Was that, I was home. I, I was, was that the one where that the one where Emmett Dunn uh, missed a shot for goal? He, Correct. He had a had a uh, with in the, about the last minute of the game. He had a kick Correct. from about 20 yards out, kicked a point, and ended up. With we had a draw. player. He had Jimmy Jess over the top to pop the handball and went for a shot. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I was there for that first game, um, and we're seeing here just how good he was. So, uh, there was an explosiveness yeah. about him, uh, real, you know, power and speed out of the pack. Great football nous, courage, um, brilliantly skilled. You know, the the two goals in the last quarter of that '84 Grand Final just so appropriate. Um, and you know, people, I mean, Joe. Job won four BNFs, didn't he? A fantastic player. But yeah. I, I used to get a bit narky when people said, oh, geez, you know, Job's probably better than Tim. No way. Oh, no, 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 no. No, well, I, people that aren't, don't have that Essendon tie, uh, yeah. I wouldn't say it. It's just not the case. I mean, this guy is as good a footballer as I've seen play. And look, he, he did his knee in early 86, um, yep. miss the it was, rest it was of my that fault. Year. That was that was the last game before I went overseas. The, oh, uh, it's your we, fault. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it was my <laughs> fault. I think um, we were on top of the ladder with a huge percentage. He did his knee, and then that's the end of it. Yeah, went a bit pear shaped. Um, missed eighty seven as well, really. Uh, but then won the eighty eight, eighty nine best and fairest. So he was right back to his best then. Actually, just on him doing his knee, he. Um, it was against Footscray in round three. I went out there to do an interview with him the week after. And there's a picture which actually the Herald Sun, they were doing those photos from the passing recently and they ran the pick. And I looked and I thought, geez, that looks familiar. And then I realised I'd written the story. And it was so 1986. And there's a picture of Tim Watson sitting in the dugout at Windy Hill with his crutches next to him. Bouncing an 18-month-old Job Watson uh, on his knee. Nice. Yeah, that's yeah. That very nice. Sort of stuff really makes you feel old. No, yeah. absolutely brilliant player, and um, you know, with all due respect to Simon, I, I as an 80s influence, which is what we're talking about, I think Tim had fractionally more influence than Simon. Yeah. And the thing about okay. him, as you, as you mentioned, is just his sheer explosiveness. And that's what set him apart from he, he he not only had the speed but he had the power of it too. He could have someone um, holding on to him and he'd just be able to burst away. And yeah, uh, yeah and just watching him run down the wings and taking bounces, it was as <coughs> electrifying as anybody I've seen. It was just As you can even... sort of see from those clips, he had the big left foot, the big right foot. Yeah. Um, he's like give him two or three steps and he's at full pace. You wouldn't yeah. want to have been in front of him. Um, and, and, um, and also, uh, you know, like a lot of players, deceptively tall too. Like, yeah. um, you know, like I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a little guy, you know, but he's taller than me, you know, he, yeah. and he, um, he could, he could kick goals. You know, one game I remember very fondly, and it's not '80s, but '79 Easter Monday against St Kilda at, at Windy Hill, and he kicked seven goals, playing as a yeah. permanent forward. You know, like he. Yeah. Uh, he just had every, he had everything. He's one of the greatest players I've seen in my lifetime. For me, he was. Yeah. He, I always thought 
he was the one, if you went into a lab and told your scientists, this is the football frame I want to have for AFL football. That's the frame that you actually asked them to design. He was tall. I thought, it was, uh, I, I thought that was always supposed to be Anthony Kudafidi. <laughs> yeah. no, I'll, I'll, I'll go the pace of Watson yeah. Eddie Day. Um, yeah. Well, particularly in those days, because he was a, a, it was a bit slower those days, and he was a bit more solid. Yeah, um, it was a, yeah. it was a perfect build for eighties football. Really, if Kuda if Kuda was the stereotypical body a while back, is it not Mad Jack Door now? <laughs> You probably want to get a few more runs on the board, but he, I got to, I've got to say, Magic. Um, I was doing the boundary. Rig. I was doing the boundary down at the long um, season before last, and Magic was warming up, running past me, and I said, "I've got to say, I was just going, that is an incredible physique." He's got incredible. You see some of the pictures of him, and you think that is just amazing. Yeah. Oh, yes, I agree. But it does, it does show you too that how much more you need than just a physique. I mean, you look at it, I, like I stand to a, next to like Jaden Laverde at training and I look at this kid's physique and I go, oh, wow, this, that's a frame that should just dominate. And yet it just doesn't, you know, and it hasn't, it hasn't had that kind of career as yet. But I, I thought you were going to say, Scott, you have a goal-kicking contest with him and you shitted him. <laughs> I probably would. Scotty, Scotty left or right foot, mate? Left or right foot for Scotty back in the day? Mate, I've, I've, I reckon I've had three podcasts where I've pleaded to the Essendon Football Club, can we have someone teach this guy an actual technique is that not part of development in any anymore like i said i was using the analogy of the nba saying look they work on their they work on their foul shooting their technique why are afl working on a basic technique over christmas in the off season just, just on the note of that, back down um as you as you know uh, scotty i go to a lot of the pre-season uh, training and they have been putting a lot more emphasis on that this year uh, okay. They've been having uh, two different iPads set up, one one at the front, one at the side, um, where they go and analyse the, uh, no doubt, analyse the players' techniques afterwards. So they, you don't see it out on the ground, but I'm sure they're putting a lot more into it than they used to be. Because that's yeah. the. Well, if anyone from the club is watching this video, um, former John Gardner High School full forward, very happy to help out any <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly enough, and completely not Essendon related, but talking about rigs that I didn't realise, um, I was at the Baldwin Woolies yesterday, just grabbing some <laughs> bog roll, and um, stood behind... I found, oh, we've got mountains of the stuff in Baldwin, apparently. <laughs> Um, and I was, I jumped into the line and didn't realize who was in front of me until he turned around and it was sauce. Oh, yeah. He's, oh, okay. he's taller than he's way. I thought he was an undersized fullback. I'm six three and he had an inch and a bit on me. Yeah, yeah. No, no, he's yeah. tall. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a big player, unit, yeah. like, like big wide shoulders. And, yeah, big wide yeah. shoulders and stuff. And yeah. I, I, another little quick one on, on Cooter and Riggs and stuff. Way back in the day, um, when Main Health owned a hell of a lot of hospitals in Melbourne, I was working for Main Health at the time and they ran a competition to in 100 words or something like that, tell us why you deserve to train with Carlton. And I, I put, actually, I put in a smart-ass 100 words along the lines of, because, yeah, I'd like to lead out from full forward, um, take a grab on sauce, turn around and kick one from 50 because I don't rate him. 
or something along those lines. And I got actually picked to go down there. Now, somebody gave those comments to the players. Um, and so we were, we, were doing, we were doing the kick to kick to kick to kick thing and they, they got us to tackle some bags and stuff like that, which was cool. And then they, they, they uh, read out two of the comments. One of them was, I've always wanted to... Uh, do something with Ange Christou or something like take a mark on the wing and turn around and, and kick it to, I forget it was at full forward at the time. And guess who's the other one was um, that I'd like to lead out from forward 50, take a mark because I don't rate sauce. Well, <laughs> it's called all right, smart ass. So I've, I've, we both started inside the 50, uh, inside the square in the 50. And I was going to give in the biggest illegal shove I could possibly <laughs> give and then just go racing out. Now they had Ange, uh, outside 50 with his massive left boot and he I did exactly that I gave sauce the biggest push in the chest I could muster um, which obviously didn't do jack because <laughs> I go racing and this is when I was not huge um, I go racing to the I don't know what what Princess Park, but I go racing out there. Now I couldn't feel or hear anything behind me. Ange just hit me lace out, would have taken would have flattened my nose in front of my face if I didn't mark it. But I didn't hear anything and I thought, holy crap, he's probably lacked off a little bit. He's gonna give me the mark and I'll go around and have a kick. As the ball was about to hit my hands, over the top of my shoulder comes Sauce's right arm, clips my ear, clips the back of my head, punches all ball. And then proceeds to just collapse himself on top of me and absolutely smash me. So if, if you think that those boys aren't big and tough, you've got something different coming. Yeah, I used to do, um, in the late 90s, or from 96 to 01, I did a uh, pay TV show on the old Optus Vision, football <laughs> feedback. And um, the last couple of years, Sauce was a panellist, so I, I sat next to him every week. Uh, you know, he's a lovely guy, Sauce, but even then, you know, like sort of seven, eight years later, the surest way to absolutely get him, to get him going, to get his, um, to rev him up was to just lean over and go, you didn't touch that shot of longies in the grand final. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm telling you again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just be free. He probably touched it, but it was over the line. you got to, you got to touch it before it goes over. <laughs> <laughs> Look, just, just, uh, just going back to Tim Watson, I um, I haven't told this story. Um, so there's a bit of a story with Tim Watson and my dad. And and so what had happened is Essendon had asked Tim Watson to come as a 15-year-old uh, to the club. I'm, I'm one years old, bear in mind. So obviously I know nothing of this. Uh, but my dad at the time was working at Essendon Chrysler. And they were kind of a sponsor at the club. Uh, and so... They actually asked my dad. So my dad was kind of the manager of the, the Chrysler there. And they asked him that, hey, we've got this 15-year-old kid that we need to have someone stay at the, their place for like six to 12 months uh, just to look after him. He said no. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, that's, that's was ongoing from once I found out. It. He told me after the 84 grand final, he said, all right, we've got to sit down. I've got to tell you something that you're not going to like. Uh, oh, no. But this is what's happened. And uh, yeah, oh. it, it was just, 
devastating that his family could have been connected to mine. But uh, I but it might have it might have oh. been good for you because if you had it moved in, you might have been a neglected child, Scott. <laughs> That's, he could true. Have been a That's true. Yeah. I was happy to take no. that role. So, are we doing number one now, or is that it? Yeah. What is well, that one? Know, Neil. Oh, we got to number one. Is Tim Watson too I'm kidding. It's just, that, it's just that my breakfast is on the table. That's <laughs> <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, you know, well, we got. So, sorry, Timmy. Timmy for Rowan. Um, I'm. I'm. Um, no, no, not Timmy. Sorry, no, so um, Madden. Madden. Yeah, Madden I'm for Madden. The, um, I had. Yeah. I had um, Timmy. Neil, did you have Timmy? Uh, as number two, yeah, and Madden one. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so you three have all Scotty. got Simon uh, Madden at one. Yeah. Yep. yep. And, and Watson too. Okay, yep. so, I mean, we need to talk about Simon Madden. <laughs> well, right, well I'll, I'll, I'll probably start because I'll, uh, yep. I'll probably have a little bit earlier memories than you guys. Yep, I, disti- I distinctly remember his first game of football. Um, uh, in 1974, he'd, uh, I'd been keeping a bit of an eye on him because uh, early in the year, he'd kicked, I think, about eight goals against South Melbourne at Lakeside Oval playing in the twos and uh, just had this prodigious leap, even that guy. He was a, uh, a state a high jumping champion as well as being six foot five. And uh, anyway, went out to Moorabbin um, in round 15, uh, 1974 and came on at about oh, 25 minutes into the third quarter when they just had uh, reserves those days. Uh, Ended up with about three or four touches, took a huge specky in the goal square, and uh, and had a, another huge leap for a tap out. And I, uh, oh, this is a slightly different time, but I, I went. Uh, I remember going home to my parents on the train from Moorabbin, and uh, in those days they had three games of football on the replays. They had um, two main games, and they had another game they showed about 15 minutes, and that's what they showed at this one of Simon Madden. And uh, and I made the big call as a uh, as a twelve uh, year old. I probably would have been there. This this guy is going to be an absolute superstar. You just just you guys wait and see. And of course, my father uh, scoffed at and said, "Well, you know, you know, what do you know?" Sort of thing. And uh, so that was my first ever big call. And uh, he was dropped after that game, so that uh, took a bit of the gloss off it. But he played the last five games of the year and uh, kicked, I think, fifteen goals in the last five games. And uh, yeah, what a career we went on to have. Yeah. The 575 goals, I think, was it all up? Second highest uh, for the right? club ever, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, and yeah, it was the leap. It was the, um, and he was a, particularly early, he was a, uh, always quite a reliable kick for goal. He was a much longer kicker of the ball earlier and very athletic for his time. He did have a couple of periods there when his uh, Justin Madden came on the scene. As I say, they put him as a more permanent forward, and that was uh, eventually one of them had to go, and Justin ended up going off to uh, to Carlton, where he had an equally decorated career. But I'm I was always glad they kept Simon myself. I uh, yeah. one of the all-time great players, and uh, uh, and the two grand finals in uh, um, 84, 85, uh, particularly 85, where he was he was dominant. Uh, he actually had a really quiet first half in the uh, 84 grand final. Uh, right, half, three quarters, I'd say. Yeah. And, and the, but the last quarter, uh, well, you, you just look at all these, uh, the highlights from the, from the game. Um, it's him tapping it down to Daisy Williams or Baker 
uh, and yeah, just just dominated. And that was he was uh, capable of doing. And one of the reasons why I had him over Watson was that uh, Watson was a great footballer, one of the best, but I wouldn't have said he was necessarily always the best in his position. Whereas Watson, uh, Madden was the best ruckman in the league and is considered to be one of the, the uh, great ruckmen of the modern era as well. So that was why I had him right up there. I'd like to hear what uh, you guys have to say about it as well. Uh, very, very good summation. I can't add a lot. Um, first game I saw him play, I reckon it, if it wasn't the next week after that debut, it was the week after. It was against North Melbourne at Windy Hill. Essendon only lost narrowly by a kick or so. I'm pretty sure he might have kicked. Have you got, um, in fact, I'd call it up myself now, because did one of you guys use AFL tables? Yep, I've got it open in front of me. Okay, can you go to that 74 season, find the yep. game against North and when it was? Yep, I remember Scotty, that game, we, yeah. We, we I reckon he went a, a blink in our dad's eye at that stage. Yeah, <laughs> round, round 20 at Windy Hill, kicked six goals too. I knew he kicked six. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So that yeah. was the that was the first game I saw him play, and yeah. he, he was you know just like Neil says he was he was really mobile, fantastic leap, really long kick. One game, um, and this is later on and in the eighties, but one game that really I remember fondly is um, from eighty one, Sheed's first year when oh, yeah. round round seven after he after he was going to pull on the boots. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we, we lost five out of the first six. Sheeds was yeah. going to pull them on again. We had a very scratchy win against St Kilda at home in the next week. And then we played Collingwood, who were undefeated yeah. out at Waverley. Yeah. 77,000 people there. And we absolutely smashed them. Yeah. Simon kicked seven. And um, almost, I remember this, you know, almost the highlight yeah. of Simon Madden in, in terms yeah. of footage. Um, takes a big hanger, I can't remember who it was over, but hits the ground, turns Plays around, on. spins onto his left foot and kicks it yep. from 50 yep. yards. I, I, remember, I remember that goal. That was, uh, and that game was one of the, uh, yeah, one of the best games I've seen. And I, yeah. I, I don't know why so many people turned up because we weren't travelling particularly well and Collingwood were undefeated. But there yeah, was just well, this huge anticipation. Yeah, well, I remember being stuck in the car park for literally two hours afterwards, but it was pleasant because we'd won so well. But, you know, he had that issue, as Neil said, you know, when Justin was sort of the preferred number one ruckman. He was captain in um, 82, but ended up getting dropped to the reserves for a time because he wasn't playing well. But he, he sort of turned it all around, didn't he, when Justin left yeah. and he became the number one man in that 83, 84, 85 period probably his absolute peak, but remained the best ruckman in the league right up until, you know, 89, mm. 90, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, look, uh, don't get me wrong, absolutely no quibbles with him being number one. Um, like I said, if we're talking about their whole careers, I'd have them almost impossible to split. Yeah. I'd, give Tim, I'd give Tim the nod for an 80s contribution because he won three of his four BNFs in the 80s. Yeah. So you yeah. could you could be right there, actually. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. you know, yeah. it's just yeah. opinion, isn't it, really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yours is wrong, but it's just opinion. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, it's, that's fine. <laughs> I, tell you what, I, just, I tell you what, I don't... I, don't I would know. have thought it was weight of numbers, wasn't it? <laughs> 
Yeah, bye, bye, bye. Don't, don't we have a three-one vote going here? Is this a democracy? <laughs> I'm not I'll sure. I'll take the bloke that uh, that comments on footy for a living. I'll take his uh, his <laughs> his opinion, mate. I'll I'll take that. <laughs> uh, seriously, uh, no. In all seriousness, I wouldn't. You know, like a uh, absolutely no quibbles with me. What yeah. I, what I will say is when he took the mark of the year, was it over Fitzroy and uh, I think it's Alan Stoner with Stoner with his hands 84. in the air and yeah. yeah. I actually was at that game as a kid, as a 10-year-old, and, and I was on the uh, the cheer squad wing uh, side. And yeah. that mark it was actually better on that angle live than the actual TV coverage. That was yeah, yeah, yeah. still probably the greatest mark nearly outside of Moorcroft that I've probably ever seen. I just I remember going, oh, that's the best thing I've ever seen. I can't wait to see the replay. And when I saw the replay uh, on footy winners after whatever it was, yeah, it was almost disappointing angle. It's like, no, that mark was actually better than even that. Uh, well, it's, it's funny. funny. It's funny you mentioned Moorcroft because I the Moorcroft mark I was doing the boundary, and um, you know, like the whole ground sort of got to its feet and stood and applauded. I, I think the Moorcroft mark looked better live than on TV as well. I think okay. a lot of them yeah. do. Actually, yeah, I might that have that year wrong about that mark you're talking about. It might have been '82 because the. In 84, the mark of the year was taken by Michael Reeves against Essendon yeah. at Wendy Hill when he was wearing the, you know, he wore the long pants. Actually, did yeah. he have the long pants on? Then he might not have had them on there. But anyway, it's Michael Reeves. Nice. Anyway, guys, my yeah. lunch has turned up. So I'm really <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, look, uh, cool. can I just wrap it up and say thank you, everyone? And look, it, one thing I just want to quickly mention is obviously a big shout out. We did it before to Kevin Sheedy. Obviously, he, he's the one really set up where the club is today. And that started in, yeah. was it 80 or 81? Did he come? 81. 81. And yeah. that's, that's, that, that is the whole start of everything. Uh, so yeah. I, I this look, and there's other mentions, Stephen Carey, Alan Stoneham, you know, the Steve cop, the Stephen Copping, there's, there's Danelle. guys that are, are great. Frank Danell, there's guys that are great players. Now, I'm not uh, Stephen Carey. He played for Sydney. Stephen oh, Carey. Stephen Carey. Sorry. Sorry. That's right. Uh, and um, I know there's other guys that mentioned to me, oh, you know, Bradley Plain and Greg Anderson and, and Grenfold. Look, the, the, I guess the more point to that is, is they started very late in the 80s and they probably developed more as 1990 onwards. So we didn't, couldn't really fit them in. But again, I just want to say a massive thank you to all you guys for the time and effort put in. Uh, Roko, thank you so much. Uh, for sharing your thoughts uh, all um, this time we appreciate your time we really do great to hear all the stories I, I really enjoyed it thank you thank you so much and thank you to everyone I hope you uh, the listeners hope you enjoy it and this is the lunchtime catch up signing off and see you soon